Yeah. How? How shall we sing the Lord's songs in a strange land? The old rhythms, the melodies of praise strangle in our throats and the words fall to the ground like leaves in autumn. The air thickens with suspicion and doubt. And who's to say anymore what is true enough to last, to prevail? Isolation feels like a punishment for offenses we never performed. Let us trust now the ground under our feet, that which has proven steady for generations. Look up, the heavens are still there, unclouded, beatific. We breathe even though masks clothe our faces. Prayer surrounds us close as our skin, weaving for us garments of trust and solace. Even in our isolation, we are joined in love. Hello and welcome to the Wellspring Soul Care Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Gotthardt. I'm part of the Wellspring team. Our desire and our mission at Wellspring is to help people rediscover God's personal, generous love and the flourishing life that is made available to us in the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ. In this podcast, we engage in thoughtful conversations about the care of souls, ours and others, and have some wonderful dialogue with people. I am particularly excited about today's interview. It was just a privilege to get to talk to Lucy Shaw. If you don't know that name, she is truly a remarkable gift. She is a prolific author, has authored 12 volumes of poetry and counting. She was a charter member of the Chrysostom Society of Writers. She worked with Eugene Peterson on editing and working with him on The Message. She is a retreat and workshop leader, writer in residence at Regent College, founder of a publishing company, on and on. An avid nature and wildlife photographer, she is just a remarkable person. But more than her accomplishments, what I think you're gonna love is her heart, her joy in life, and her wisdom and I invite you to listen in and lean in to enjoy this interview with Lucy Shaw. Well, why don't we jump in? Lucy Shaw, what an absolute pleasure and gift it is to speak to you today. And um, Lucy, um, maybe I'll just jump in with, um, you know, you're, you're writing uh, pretty prolifically these days. In fact, you've got another book coming out uh, next year, you just told me. Yeah, um, and, and probably in January 2022. Okay. Yeah. So, and you're writing, I mean, like every day? Are you Are you writing every day? Oh, almost every day, yes. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's a sort of stream of images and words that, that just keep taking over my imagination and I you know I have a journal and I just jot it all down and then uh, you know if it has possibilities I'll 
working uh, on my computer and start crafting and changing and uh, you know hope, hoping to improve it. <laughs> so so that that's fascinating to me. I mean, I I um I love writing, love words. Uh, as many I'm sure the people listening to this are. Uh, pastors, leaders, others that uh, that love words in different forms. Did, has that been true for you in your in your life? That did you just have you always loved uh, playing with words and images? I have. Uh, you know, I start as a very small child, and I would write these little poems, and I put them in my dad's jacket pocket, <laughs> and then he would read them, and he was so proud of me. He would take it around and show it to all his friends. So I had that uh, encouragement right from the beginning. And, uh, you know, we, I, I just love words. I love derivations of words. I've studied New Testament Greek and Latin. I've, I've had a lot of Latin. So, mm. you know, when you begin to understand where a word comes from, uh, that really helps in a a deeper understanding of what the word, the significance of the words. Yeah. Mm. So you were how old then when you were writing these little poems and putting them on? Oh, it's probably four, five, six. Wow. But we traveled around a lot. We lived in Australia for a while. We lived in Canada for a while. So, you know, I had the advantage of many rich encounters with different cultures and different uh, geographies. Uh, so now we live in Bellingham and, you know, it's, it's so rich in beauty and uh, greenness and glory. <laughs> mm. uh, have you ever, I don't know if you've ever uh, traveled north to Washington State. A bit, a bit. A bit my daughter, yes. my daughter lives in actually up in Spokane these days. And Oh yeah, okay. And, but what a rich and uh, lush place, isn't it? <laughs> Yes. Oh, wow. So, so from uh, in your your father encouraged you, and he did he write himself? I think he was. I heard he was a doctor. Is that correct? Yes, my dad was a medical missionary, uh, mm. and yes, he he wrote the most wonderful sermons, mm. uh, and he wrote several books, but they were more about his experiences as a missionary in the Solomon Islands. So uh, it was a different kind of writing, but he loved words and he would, uh, what my parents did that was so important for me was read from good books, even at an early age, not just the kids' books, but real literature. And that's how I learned uh, how language works, how uh, the rhythms of sentences make them more, uh, approachable, you know, it, it uh, and I never really studied grammar <laughs> hmm. as, as a school subject, but I had this inherent sense of how language enriches our lives. And instead of just, you know, saying the mundane, um, uh, you know, work day, work a day, uh, language, but when you get into uh, language that in, expands the imagination, I guess, mm. is, is how. And that imagination is God-given. I mean, we are given this wonderful ability 
to see pictures in our heads. That's what image, Im imagination is all about. Seeing something in our heads and then translating it perhaps into words. And I'm, I'm sure you have to do that as a pastor, right? You do, and 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 yet it seems like you said that that um, the 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 art of language and the crafting of words is it, it it sometimes in some places is is valued to me at least from my perspective in the way that like you're describing uh, bringing imagination and images to light in life and and yet sometimes it can just be just getting data across um you know or just information transfer and that there's that lacks so much you know beauty doesn't it and possibility um i i'm curious but you you don't you're not only a poet lucy you also you you take photograph you're a photographer uh, has that been a, a lifelong yes, pursuit as yes. well yes photography is one of my great joys i've been a lovely little like a camera and you know during the pandemic uh when you know, we've been so constrained about traveling, so we're still able to drive. And we live in this beautiful part of the world. And John, my husband, will drive and we will just go uh, through the woods and I'll say, stop, stop. And I'll open my car window and then just take, oh, back up two feet. <laughs> so I can just frame, uh, frame the photograph perfectly. And then, uh, of course, I'll download those wonderful images uh, on my computer when we get home. So it's just, uh, it's so rich. Uh, it's almost, it's almost too rich. Wow. <laughs> it's almost indigestion. <laughs> that's, that's a great phrase, almost indigestion. How, how, I mean, lots of people take photographs, I guess, with the, you know, the advent of the iPhone, it's every, maybe many people want to fancy themselves a photographer these days, but there's a difference between just capturing, I don't know, uh, an image of uh, something makes something artistic, you know, versus just capturing what's in front of you. Uh, is there a way you could put that in words for you? What, what makes the difference there? Well, it's framing it. It's mm -hmm. finding the elements of darkness and light and color. Uh, and I love close-ups of mm -hmm. flowers and weed, even weeds. I've discovered how beautiful roadside grasses are. When you mm -hmm. take a close-up photograph and you see the intricate uh, growth, uh, the seed head, for instance. So uh, I you know, God just created mm. such, uh, a, I don't know, so magnificent, so huge mm. and, and never ending beauty. In fact, that's, uh, maybe you could speak to that. Your most recent book, not the one that's coming out is, is the title itself is The Generosity. Can you speak a little bit about where that title came from? Uh, well, The Generosity, yeah, I mean, just take a look at what I said about it. <laughs> um, one Christmas, my husband and I sent out an original Christmas card, as we have done for as many years as I can remember. Someone had posted on Facebook an image of an ancient weathered stump in a forest from which a fresh green leaf had shot up 
like a mixed metaphor. It reminded us both of an image the prophet Isaiah had presented in his first chapter. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. As usual, I wrote a poem about this happy surprise, and John illustrated it. So um, I'm not claiming to be a fulfillment of any Old Testament prophecy or that I'm that burgeoning shoot of green, simply that I'm attempting something improbable at the age of 92, and that I feel enlivened as fresh shoots of words jump off pages at me, demanding my attention. And I try, you know, as a poet and as a teacher of poetry, to uh, encourage people not just to read the easy reading, to delve into profoundly uh, meaningful literature uh, of the ages, you know, Shakespeare, Coleridge, uh, and not just as a, <clears throat> as, as a study, a, a course in a school, but also just to allow the words to enter us and, and magnify uh, our understanding of beauty, particularly as a gift from God. We were created to love what is beautiful and good and true. And, you know, when our lives get distracted by uh, difficulties, uh, illness, uh, you know, particularly this last year, so many of our friends have struggled uh, with being alone and not able to connect. I have to tell you, this past Sunday was the first Sunday when our congregation actually met in our Episcopal Church. It was the most joyful thing I've experienced in years. There was so much hugging and laughing and, oh, you look wonderful. <laughs> you know, we were just these friends of the heart that we've gotten to know as we worship together for so many years. It just was, it was just the most extraordinarily uh, enjoyable and, you know, God was in it. We were in the presence of God in that, in that sanctuary. Yeah. Wow. That's beautiful. So, I, Lucy, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. It seems like I, maybe this is how I would put it, that our lives have a trajectory and that some people's lives seem to, as they age, become smaller or even perhaps more sour or bitter or disappointed. And others, like your own, seem to expand. I'm curious, do you, what is it that makes one trajectory more full and open and generous and one trajectory smaller and maybe disappointed? I think it's an attitude of openness. Uh, an attitude that says, we don't know it all. There's so much more available to us. Uh, you know, our communication systems are so much more open than they were centuries ago. We have so, we can quickly, oh, look at you and, and me. Here we are, over the miles, able to see each other's faces and hear each other's words. 
and make that human connection, which is part of what God has given us as a huge gift. My, my son, John, who is a doctor and who is in Thailand right now, preparing to enter into Burma, where he has, he's established a hospital in the forest uh, and treating all kinds of wounds from all the insurrection in Burma. Um, so he's also, he's a poet. Uh, <laughs> And we're able to shoot poems back and forth between Thailand and Bellingham and comment on, and you know, he's, um, he's a deeply spiritual guy. Um, he loves God, like hard, very few people I know. Um, and his life is given to God to take care of other people. So, but you know, the distance is no, problem the distance is no problem and you know it's like the distance between us and the eternal <clears throat> there's there's no nothing to stop us from hearing from god and from him speaking to us there's nothing to stop us except our own tendency to uh uh you know get distracted i guess <laughs> mm -hmm. But even the ordinary household things, you know, uh, they may be distractions, but they feed into the, the life of the mind. The, um, you know, just the way a kettle boils, the water, uh, the steam, and the way water turns into something else. Uh, and, you know, just about everything we can think about has uh, <clears throat> what, Wordsworth would call intimations of mortality. You know, and I'm 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 probably making it sound it sound too holy and, and righteous, but it's just you know if we could just open ourselves to what God is saying to us in the most simple things. I've got a cat, and the way I um, communicate with my cat. I often think he doesn't really understand what I'm saying, but I, I can communicate love and affection for him the way God can communicate love and affection to me, even though I don't ever understand everything God is doing. Mm. So there's that um, amazing uh, ability for, uh, for communication, for uh, an understanding of the, the other. Yeah. I'm so struck, Lucy, by just that, that paying attention, that noticing that you, even as you, and it seems like I, so much of your poetry has the book of nature, if you will, God's revelation and yeah. his creation. And, and there's just, it seems like there's an endless curiosity in you, an endless uh, desire to notice and pay attention. Is that, has that always yeah. been there? I I hope that can can happen uh, continues. I get older. I just you know I, the thing I dread is <laughs> losing the losing words. <laughs> well, uh, <clears throat> but I love the word attention. And hmm. uh, this it comes from the Latin attendera to lean into something. So we pay attention. We lean into it. Try to discover. <clears throat> 
uh, the deeper meanings, not just the casual meanings. So add tender <laughs> attention. speak Lucy a little bit about the I've, I've been hearing different people say that the arts in particular poetry literature um they're they're even more necessary than ever they're they're important for our uh flourishing as as human beings can, can you speak to that a little bit is that would you agree with that oh you, you are so Right, Richard, that is exactly, <clears throat> that's exactly what we're, that we need to focus on. Um, uh, yeah, the messages of the world, we can even, we can, we can respond negatively to messages of hate or uh, disconnection. Um, but I, you know, that particularly in our political systems, there's so much anger and disgust and uh, not really a, a willingness to listen to each other and discover where the hurts and the, dis, and the disappointments lie under the surface. Uh, so we, we just respond to those surface words and the surface actions that really don't speak to the reality of that person. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I don't want to get into politics. No, it's okay. <laughs> that's, that's not where I want to go. But, but I, I do believe as human beings, we have the capacity to love and respond. And that is purely uh, the love of God in us. I've, I've been reading through the Bible. This uh, I'm in 1 Samuel right now <laughs> and learning about uh, uh, the people of Israel calling Saul to be their king. And God said, well, I've been your king all these years, got you out of Egypt, but now you want a king? Okay, I'll give you a king. <laughs> but then, you know, God is so forgiving. He sends the spirit into Paul and it says, and Paul became, Saul became a different person. So that's, you know, that's historic. That sort of thing, if we're open and willing to be used by God, to be energized by God, uh, it will happen. Uh, it takes time alone, time in quiet time um and i'm sure as a pastor you you tell your flock these things all the time uh why is it that we're so different it's so difficult for us to accept those things and practice them i don't know i think there must be a negative force trying to take over our lives and uh i want to live the positivity of a creative god I love that phrase. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, would you mind? That seems to fit wonderfully with a poem from your book. Uh, and it is um, a poem 
uh, called Howl. It's one of the early poems. Oh. Would you mind reading is, that? Is that in my book or is that? It is. It's in, it's a, uh, it's actually, I think the second oh, one. Oh yes, I got it. <laughs> okay. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Yeah. How? How shall we sing the Lord's songs in a strange land? The old rhythms, the melodies of praise strangle in our throats and the words fall to the ground like leaves in autumn. The air thickens with suspicion and doubt. And who's to say anymore what is true enough to last, to prevail? Isolation feels like a punishment for offenses we never performed. Let us trust now the ground under our feet, that which has proven steady for generations. Look up, the heavens are still there, unclouded, beatific. We breathe even though masks clothe our faces. Prayer surrounds us close as our skin, weaving for us garments of trust and solace. Even in our isolation, we are joined in love, never alone. Mm. I thought you might be interested in a poem called The O in Hope. Oh, on, yes. On page 43. Something interesting has happened with this poem. <laughs> uh, let me read the poem first, and okay. then if I can tell you, give you a story. Okay. That'd be wonderful. Yeah. The O in hope. Hope has this lovely vowel at its throat. Think how we cry O oh, as the sun's circle clears the ridge above us on the hill. O oh, is the shape of a mouth singing and of a cherry as it lends its sweetness to the tongue. Oh, say the open eyes of unexpected beauty, and then, wow. Oh, is endless as a wedding ring, a round pool, the shape of drops widening on the water surface. Oh, is the center of love, and oh, is in the invention of the wheel. It multiplies in the zoo, doubles in a door that opens, grows in the heart of a green wood, in the moon, and in the endless looping circuit of the planets. Mood carries it, and books, and holy fools, cotton, a useful tool, and knitting wool. I love the doubled O in good and cosmos, and how all revolves, solves, is in itself complete and broken, a circle enclosing us, holding us all together, everything both in center and circumference, zeroing in on the omega that finds its ultimate center in the name of God. And a friend, who is a designer, saw, read this poem in the book, and without even saying anything to me, developed a whole series 
of uh, illustrations of these various words and sent it to me. And then my publisher, Paraclete Press, learned about it. And they sent it to InterVarsity Press. And now it's coming out as a children's book, quite beyond my own planning. It's just something that seemed to catch on and need a different uh, arena of, of expression. So that's um, beautiful. I, so I didn't have to do a thing about this. <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful. That's the goodness <laughs> of mm. God. Mm. Goodness with O's. I love that. Um, so for some listening uh, will be um, uh, poets at heart, whether they write or read poetry or lit literature, others maybe not as much or new to it. What would what advice would you give to to folks that um, want to um, invest themselves and their minds and hearts in in some good poetry, how, how how best to experience it and enter into it? Well, you know, a poem, when it's written, it's not meant to sit on a page and be closed up in a book. A poem needs to be read aloud. Um, it's not meant to be silent on the page. It needs expression in the human voice. So for someone who's not familiar with poetry or maybe a little afraid of it or not, uh, not feeling at ease with it, for them to take a poem and just read it silently and then read it aloud, giving it the expression that it seems to, to need and do that several times and see if the poem doesn't open itself up to you and give, it may not, <clears throat> You may not be able to understand every intricacy in the poem or every, you know, careful uh, crafting that the poet gives, but it, it will speak to you if you give it that opportunity, if it is spoken aloud. Uh, you know, in early times before the, the written word, uh, there were songs and bards would tell ancient stories through singing and poetry. And that's how language came alive in those days before people could read. Mm. Uh, and I also love the way in many churches, the stained glass windows became the living word for people because they had images of biblical characters and. And that's how people learned who the saints were and the, and the, uh, the major people in the Bible. They would see an image and without being able to read, but they could learn something about that individual. So um, God isn't limited in the ways he shows us uh, reality, shows us truth and beauty. God isn't limited. Like our limitation, and God will find a way if we're just open <clears throat> to receiving uh, uh, what's there available for us. <laughs> I love that. I was reading just this morning in Psalm 19 about the heavens declaring 
the glory of God in the skies, showing his handiwork. And then it says that that, that their their message goes out into all the world and the the their song. And it's just so there's such a richness there. I love that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, of course, music is the other <clears throat> wonderful human expression. Um, I don't have a singing voice, but I have sung in choirs uh, with that incredible beauty uh, by the, that captured the composer when he first wrote it, uh, particularly La Bach <laughs> mm. mm. and yeah. the chorales that Bach wrote. Yeah. That's wonderful. So, Lucy, if I can. Um, go back a little bit you 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 know as a child you're i mean a little girl you're writing poetry you're writing and you're you get encouragement from your father you get uh, some affirmation in that is did you have a sense even when you were young that that your life being given to words if you will and images and writing did you have a sense that that that's what you would do and be uh, i'm not sure that <clears throat> i had a full-fledged image of what the future would have for me but um, I know that, you know, uh, when I was in school, for instance, people would, and, and I was pretty good, you know, with, with uh, drawing and painting, uh, and people would uh, uh, say, could you, could you draw this for me? <laughs> and I was able to put shape and color and texture into an image. Uh, on the page or on a on a screen, um, but you know we're not limited in the ways we can express beauty. Uh, I love I love organ music, really good organ music, uh, and we have at our church we have an extraordinarily gifted organist, and as we enter the church, uh, he's playing something from a, one, some ancient music that's been turned into a chorale and it's so it it fills the soul and it prepares us to be quiet in that sanctuary and listen for the word of God through spoken word through scripture through the psalms through a homily it's it's it, there's a rich experience if we're just willing to be there uh, you know they used to say, <laughs> in the hippie years, be here now. <laughs> uh -huh. So I think that's a word we need to hear again, be here now. Mm. Realize that God isn't limited by our little limitations. Yeah. God will, if we're open to it, God will find, find a way to speak into our lives, to touch us in a way that we recognize as divine and as powerful. Struck by what you're saying is bringing to mind the poem of Elizabeth Barrett Browning. It says, "Earth's crammed with heaven, and every common bush afire with God. Those yeah. who see take off their shoes. The rest sit around plucking blackberries." Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> so we're just so taken up with the minutiae of life, uh, just you know, the cooking and the baking and the the uh, <laughs> uh, cutting the grass, <laughs> doing the ordinary thing, but even the ordinary things have something to tell us. Just the way 
you know, our grass is, is getting brown during the summer, but just the way in the spring, the, those little shoots of green grass are growing up in response to rain and sun. Uh, I wrote a poem called Seed Head and how that little thrust of life coming up from the root enders, enders up in being a seed, you know, and, and, and that is true. I see that in my own children. As they grow up, and uh, you know, they they're able to accept and and uh, profit from ex life experiences that shape them into who they are. And I have five wonderful children. <laughs> mm. Of course, I've got great grandchildren. I've got four great grandchildren. So uh, that's that's gonna be a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun, and some of them live close to us, so it's just great. Oh, that's great. So coming back to what you just were talking about, it seems that one of the poverties, if you will, of our time is, is that we struggle to sort of sit still and pay attention, don't you think? Is how, I mean, because so much of what you're describing, it, it's hard to notice things at that kind of level if we're always in a hurry and rushing past things and and busy just on with the next next task yes. how how have you been able to cultivate that uh, that a capacity to pay attention and not be in a hurry it, it's a discipline it's something we have to decide we're going to do and then do it shut out some of the uh, distractions. Um, I just have a, in, in this office where I am now, I have a, uh, I have a chair where I can sit and that is where I practice entering into God's presence. I don't know if you know the work of Richard Rohr. Mm -hmm. Yes, he's, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, I've been studying some of his work and some of his understanding of the, the, the love, the power of love that God uh, encloses around all of us and it's not limited. Um, and then, you know, he says in our daily lives, we live on the edge of the inside, of the outside. We live on, on the inner edge well, I'm, I'm not saying, I, I don't want to misquote him. He's, it's okay. But, but, you know, what he's saying is that we have the capacity to respond to the love of God. And that is what pulls the whole universe together. It's the created, the created universe is an expression of the love of the almighty uh, who brought it into being. So, just you know we're just such tiny little uh incidents almost in the big story and yet god teaches us that he loves each one of us we are we are not insignificant in the mind and the love of god we are we have significance he has uh a way of speaking into our lives if we're open to it if we're waiting for it and, and i think one of the big problems uh in our civilization now is that we're so busy 
We are so occupied with just the daily needs of working and living and and we don't we don't take that a long time. And I think one of the things that Patty Pierce and I first when we first moved to California and I got to know Patty as a dear friend, we started uh, spending time in retreats, so silent retreats, uh, and following a theme and learning to sit in nature and allow, and allow the natural world to speak to us. And, you know, I'm so proud and happy for Patty to have expanded that ministry and now including so many leaders within the church to take that that time of examining personal examination and response to God. But Lucy, your life has not been without challenge, hardship. In fact, one of your books I was just just reading through this weekend is called God in the Dark, and it's about a time of great pain and suffering. Your first husband was dying of cancer. Right. Um, how did you, because especially in the time we're in, in which there's a lot of hard things and difficulty around us, how did you cling to God or experience him holding on to you in, in that prolonged difficult season? Well, I have to say, I was really dealing with a lot of doubt. Mm -hmm. I was, uh, God was in the dark for me at that point. I, well, as you, if you read the book, you, you, you know that we would, <laughs> when you've got a spouse who's dealing with cancer, it's, it's a series of ups and downs, you, you know, you get a, a good report one day from your oncologist and you you all of a sudden you're hopeful again and then the next day another symptom shows up and you then you're down so it was uh it was a great time of, of searching and i think what always spoke to me was the beauty of the world in spite of death in spite of and we lived in West Chicago at that point in a, in a beautiful little community that was surrounded by cornfields. And it was, uh, we would go for walks together and just allow the beauty of the landscape and our community to speak into us. And, um, you know, I think part of the, Part of that time was we had so many wonderful praying friends, so much support from people who loved us and whom we loved and would come over and pray with us for healing. And I think, I think Harold really believed that he was gonna be healed. And I think he was really disappointed when God didn't heal him. It was a spiritual struggle for him. And of course that meant it was a spiritual struggle for me too, because my husband had always been <laughs> the strong one, the one who, who uh, you know, exemplified 
godliness in a, in a wonderful way. And I was, uh, I was the crazy one. <laughs> <laughs> I was the crazy poet one. <laughs> yeah. And how did you navigate that, 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 that disappointment and, and confusion and, and, and doubt? How did you, you said beauty helped you hold on um, to a belief in that God was good despite it all, it seems like. Well, it didn't, didn't happen easily and it didn't happen all at once. Hmm. Uh, and you have to come to terms with mortality uh, and the people you love. You, you have to recognize it's gonna happen to everyone. It's part of that's part of human experience, and I think uh, what happened to me was that just before Harold died, we joined the Episcopal Church in a local church, and we became very close friends with the rector and his wife. And just before Harold died, we were received into the church. We were confirmed and received into that community. And I think it gave him a great sense of relief that his wife would be part of a community that would support, support her, support me. And that was what happened. I mean, I, I was just overwhelmed by the love of God through the liturgy, through the music, through the, the we had, <laughs> We had been part of a group known as the Plymouth Brethren, where women had no opportunity to speak. They were, we had to be silent. If we had spiritual questions, we had to ask our husbands for advice. <laughs> and, and to move from that, and, and I was always in trouble. <laughs> I, was, I was always asking questions that they didn't want to have to answer. So. Harold's great gift to me was say, we're going to find a church where God can use us both. And that's what happened. We joined the Episcopal Church and it would have happened in probably any good church, but this happened to be the one that God had for me and um, maintained that relationship. And I had wonderful, um, I've had wonderful experiences within the church. I love mm. the liturgy. Mm. I love the way it leads us through various stages of confession and forgiveness and receiving, uh, particularly with communion, the bread and the wine, mm. receiving those gifts as from the hand of God. Wow, beautiful. Well, I, I do want to ask you, and as we're kind of getting quite close to wrapping up soon, but I want to, I, I want to ask you a little bit about, because may, many people might not know this, we recently did an interview with Wynn Collier, who wrote Eugene Peterson's biography, and, um, and I heard recently that you worked with Eugene uh, a bit on the, on the message, in particular, the Psalms and uh, wisdom literature, is that correct? Yes. The Psalms and the Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. And uh, uh, so it was the books of wisdom. And 
Yeah, Eugene was uh, a very dear friend. And we, you know, in those days we didn't have, we couldn't send things over the internet. <laughs> it was all typed out and he would send me uh, passages from the Psalms and I would just go through and I would, uh, you know, I wanted to make his language more flowing. It tended to be a little staccato, hmm. a little bit. Uh, and so I, as a poet, I, I tried to allow the language to reveal, you know, a more flowing beauty. And he was very open to that. Uh, Eugene was a poet himself, but his poetry was a bit jerky. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that he was one of my closest friends. We were such kindred spirits and his wife too. Um, we just, we just uh, had a very close relationship. Um, mm. But we would send it through the mail. I would redline things and he'd send it back. He didn't like what I'd done with that. And he liked what I'd done with something else. So, you know, we, uh, we worked that way through the Psalms and the books of wisdom. And so that was wow. a privilege. And, you know, uh, it was so, we were, I talked with Eugene just a couple of weeks before he died. And Jan and I were very, very close. So it mm. was, yeah, it was heartbreaking. Mm. Yeah. And I don't know why I, I'm still alive. <laughs> and some of my wonderful friends have left us. Mm. Um, I don't know what it, what it is. What is God? What does God have for me to do? What? Why am I still here? <laughs> Well, I can I can um, attest to the fact that your writing and your life continue to shine beauty into the world, and uh, I'm so grateful, along with countless others, that you continue to do that. Um, I'm, uh, have you written anything recently that you'd want to share? Anything that's oh uh... well, I've got. <laughs> You know, the book is in publication, so I can't add to it now, but I <laughs> Oh, yes, I have a, I have a new poem. Let me. Oh, wonderful. Right. Okay, now this. Uh, it's a strange, it's a strange poem. It's called Entry. God is a great bear. He sometimes breaks in so that every room in the house of my mind reeks with rack fear and the awe of his ursine proximity, a beast with brute strength, my whole attention filled with brown Bruin power. Then yesterday, a small rodent, chipmunk, ground squirrel. All I could hear was a minor skittering in the corner of the room that suggested I tune my ears and focus more acutely. Then, then the room filled with a pregnant silence and a little voice said, can I come closer? Oh. So, you know, God comes oh. to each of us in different ways and different ways on different days. It's, um, uh, we just need to be, we have our ears open for that pregnant silence and for that 
that time alone, that time uh, when we're not distracted. Um, my problem with my poetry is that it comes at the most in inconvenient times. <laughs> in the middle of cooking dinner and I get an idea and I have to sort of, sort of keep, oh, don't let me forget that until I have a moment when I can write it down. So I keep little notebooks all over the house. I have a little, little green notebook in the pocket in the car. And yesterday, John and I were driving and I wrote down some words just because uh, the, uh, the scenery speaks to me. Oh, yeah. so I love that. That's what a, And what a great idea just to keep on hand to just grab a thought and let see what God might do with it. Yeah, well, that's what a journalist is all about. <laughs> mm, mm, wow. Well, Lucy, what a tremendous honor and privilege it is to, to have spoken with you. Thank you. Thank you for your your words that you continue to share with the world that that shine a light on on God's beauty, but are themselves God's beauty to us. And uh, thank you for sharing this time with us today. Oh, it was a privilege. Thank you, Richard. You have asked such good questions and you've sort of given me opportunity to, <laughs> to spout. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, that's so uh, God bless you uh, in your ministry. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for today's conversation. If you found it helpful, feel free to share this podcast with others and subscribe to it on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you found us, and give us a rating. We'd really appreciate that as well. Again, if we can serve you as part of Wellspring, we are here to serve the church, both as leaders and people in whatever ways we can. So go to wellspringca.org to see what resources we have to offer and how you can be served by them. Go to our Facebook page, just search Wellspring on Facebook and you'll see lots of resources there as well. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, grace and peace.